Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Welcome to Stories Are Soul Food. We're super professional right now. We're on our game. Uh, yep. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. You know what? Brian has a plan. I do have a plan. Uh, I I don't know what number of the episode we're on. And so I'm going to say 93. Less than 100. 93. And we are here with, uh, how, how do we introduce Rachel? We are, we're celebrating episode less than 100 by having my sister on. Yeah. My Who's, younger sister who is now launching her first picture book into the world. There it is. Sir Battle. Sir Battle-a-Lot. And the Cranky Danky Dragon. Written by Rachel Jankovic and illustrated by Forrest Dickinson. If you are Deep Tracks listeners to Stories or Soul Food, you will recognize both those names. Yeah, you should. Because they've both been on. If you don't recognize their names, then you weren't paying any attention to the previous less than 100 episodes. <laughs> well, that was like, what was that? Was that 80 episodes ago, Rachel? Rachel, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> sort of having me. Oh, we're totally having you. We Via FaceTime audio. Yeah, we pretend <laughs> that the video does not happen. For soul food, that's one of the soul food things. We yeah, do. it's one of our it's one of our sticks. Is that I that way I can wear sweatpants, as mm. evidence today. If you all could see, <laughs> which turns out they can. There is a camera, <laughs> but um, the, the uh, yeah. So hi, Rachel. Hi. Known as Lizzie to many people, uh, Lizzie Jankovic or Jankovic. You can say it either way. Not uh, many people, only my, only our family calls me Lizzie. Unfortunately, the whole soul food crew now also calls you that. Well, I would also say that yeah. you, because of your own massive podcasteries uh, around what have you, I think you're incorrect. I think many, many thousands of people think of you as Lizzie and they're, they really enjoy doing that because they like thinking of you as Lizzie because they know that only your family does. <laughs> and, and so, it's so that's like, the what I have you crowd run, i have not run into this so if people it's kind of like when i casually refer heart. i casually refer to c.s lewis as jack and people don't know who i'm talking about uh, i refer <laughs> to tolkien as john ronald all the time <laughs> uh okay <laughs> i thought <laughs> i thought we'd launch into this episode by reading my favorite piece of customer feedback so far about sir Battlelot. this is a mm. message that was sent to us I'm taking your word for your promises about this book. I'm buying it for my three-year-old grandson and one-year-old granddaughter. No joke. If it doesn't at least somewhat live up to your wild praise, <laughs> I will be very hesitant to believe you in the future about anything like this. Perfect. So I, th I thought... I mean, that's how I like to live my life. <laughs> I like to live my life on the razor blade of whoever that was, his opinions. <laughs> so, so Rachel, can you tell us how you came up with this idea? Was it actually oh, Nate's idea? Book? No, yeah. it was not my idea. No, it, was it not might Nate's have been. Idea. Let's take. Well, now that it's it's pre-selling quite well, it might have been my idea. Um, <laughs> no, it was uh, when our son Shadrach was uh, little. When he was a hot and dot toddler, I started calling him Sir Battlelot. But when I called him Sir Battlelot, I thought this should be a kids' book sometime. So mostly, it was in that in that file of things I mean to do sometime for mm -hmm. a long time. Uh, and then I think one day while I was waiting in the car to do school pickup, I had like a weird interval. I started writing it 
uh, started writing the poem of it. And it still took me a long time to come back to it, you know, to finish the whole thing. But finally we did. There we go. And how do you feel about it? Oh, I, I, well, I love the illustrations. I love it. I'm glad to have done it. It's great. First, first picture book experience. Was it yeah. harder or easier than writing your other nonfiction books? Uh, easier, but but different. It's a different kind of a problem. I enjoy like writing silly poetry is very easy, but it's surprisingly not easy to write silly poetry that does not have extra paragraphs or goes off topic easily. Like when you're trying to actually have the whole thing tell a story and end, uh, that was more of a pain than I even thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. No, and I actually, I could say for, for people who are following, there's a very big difference between a narrative picture book. Um, and of course you're rhyming as well, but, uh, a poetic slash narrative picture book and a little preschool book like hello ninja. So like hello ninja is much younger. This works for young kids, but this is also a little, there's more to it. There is in fact a little narrative structure. Yep. Right. Full yeah. story. I mean, it's a fun, uh, we've talked about how 32 pages is, is a tight, script to be able to execute the rise and fall yeah. of a character <laughs> yeah. and uh or in this case the rise yeah the fall and the rise yeah, she exactly. began fallen yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fall the further fall and the rise of sir Battleot. yeah <laughs> and uh, it's of course i mean it's a great little thing it's kind of like i i actually in my phone i have a um a file that's just country song ideas <laughs> and and it's it's funny because you have these things occur to you a line or a concept or a, a title and uh you just hang on to it and i remember when you were calling shad sir bad a lot and we were mm -hmm. first talking about how this needs to be a picture book this needs to be a character sir bad a lot must exist because it was and um, we already have the title for your follow-up but um, yeah wait we <laughs> sir do bad -a -lot did that a lot yeah okay. sir bad a lot did that a lot <laughs> Um, awesome, but yeah, it's, I mean, Sir Battleot's such a great instant, like wordplay on, of course, Sir Lancelot. And it just is immediately tap taps into a, a, a just comedy instantly, which is what picture books have to have, like to, to start out with immediately something comical. And of course, rooted in a little fat face in your own memory, um, is, is really big. Uh, so it's this. This has been a long time coming. Just as soon as you started using the the name Sir Battleot, this was coming. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This was this was going to happen at some point. Uh, as far as it goes, what do you want the book to do? What do I want the book to do? Yeah, what do you want to do? Uh, you put this thing in the world. We talk a lot about how stories are meals. You know, we're not right. It's not um, medication, um, but it can have medicinal effects <laughs> yeah sure. um, but to, a I, good healthy meal what do you want this thing to do i actually think i think i feel very conflicted talking about it this way because i really want it to just be a silly you know it's a silly book it's a fun book but i do talk to mothers a lot and so uh about you know about child rearing about teaching your kids things and i think it one of the things that is 
missing everywhere is sort of uh, a sense of humor about the normal sorts of sins that people have to learn, like that you need to disciple your kids past things uh, yeah. without always having a long face. Um, yeah. We all know that sour and dour has been very effective in the winsome, past. Winsome, but <laughs> you know, yeah. But I, I guess I would say that the mood of this whole thing is while the point is like, it's not hard to discern what is the point of this book as far as like you have a kid who's sort of uh, self-indulgent and out of control and angry uh, and self-pitying or whatever and it's and the clear message is that gratitude is stronger than that you know that this is what you should be doing but I hope the goal is more just to give people a context uh, to talk in a cheerful and friendly and fun way to their kids about things like learning self-control and you know not being um like i don't know i guess just not being moralistic but rather moral you know like yeah what mm -hmm. do, what do we think is actually admirable but not uh scoldy or um i guess trying to teach kids not to fuss without being a big fusser yourself yeah yeah i think it's actually kind of funny that you put it that way because well we talk a lot about how stories ultimately are not supposed to be propaganda you know we're not supposed to be uh just trying to give somebody their vitamins um and sneaking them their vitamins in narrative the way i feel about sir bad a lot is that it's a very funny it's a very funny enjoyable story uh for the kids for the target audience it feels more instructional to me for the parents um yeah, you know, I for think the, that's for the, probably for the parents who are reading accurate. it, it's a little more instructional because I think that it, what it does is it diagnoses the actual way that characters work when they're behaving this way. Uh, when characters in the real world, little characters are losing uh, control of their emotions, when they're out of emotional control, parents frequently approach that narratival moment in their own story completely incorrectly. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's very, uh, you watch parents get mad at a kid who's struggling with their own emotions. You watch parents get very yep. scoldy, um, and try to make them feel, I can't, I mean, overwhelmingly I watch, um, I'll, I'll see parents try to lead their kids with other emotions, um, usually guilt negative. So you're out of control. You're totally a slave to your, to your emotional sensation. Um, they miss that fact and they try to just make their emotional sensation be something else right now. Like, right. I know, I know that you're a slave to this, the way you feel. So I'm just going to try to, you really wanted that thing. Yeah. I'm going to, now I'm going to distract you. I'm just going to distract you. I'm just going to, you know, do whatever I have to, or I'm going to make you feel guilty. I'm going to scold you. I'm going to try to make you feel stupid. Uh, but you're always right. trying to, you know, and when you're doing it wrong, you try to steer somebody who's a slave to their feelings with other feelings, you know, you try to hitch them to other feelings, which does not solve the problem. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the problem being that they, they are just totally subject to their passions. And of course we are all born this way. Every little kid is this way. We are all uh, unable to bridle our emotions when we're little. Uh, so the actual learning here, I think is more for the one reading the book aloud. <laughs> 
yeah. to the little fat-faced kid. The little fat-faced kid is going to love the rhymes and the stories and the cranky danky dragon and Sir Badalot. Yep, the story the story is just a chocolate chip cookie for the kid. Yeah. The kid's like, this is fun. And mom will be going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is, yeah. This is an interesting, interesting. Yeah, I told I, I think I told Rachel already, but my three-year-old has named his night costume Sir Badalot. So he Yeah, he's, which is now isn't that the wrong effect, right. Rachel? Are you leading children astray? <laughs> he now wants no, to Sir be. Sir Badalot grows in wisdom. He learns. <laughs> and you'll he notice learns. too, picture-wise, he starts with not a full night costume and ends with the complete one. So, you know. So <laughs> yeah, as long as you have exactly. the full costume. <laughs> it it works. It it really does work. And it's uh so I th- I think you've done a great job writing a very funny, playful picture book that kids are going to love but i do think there is some insight here but it's not insight that's trying to be forced on the little fat-faced minions who are uh getting story time yeah Um, well i mean if you look at the it provokes the conversation between mom and those minions like it gives mom a handle yeah for how to talk to them in their own moments yeah are you is there a dragon in the room right now who's you know that that's the kind of conversation you can have where they think oh yeah when I'm losing my temper, the dragon is drinking that up, you know? Yeah. No, it, it's a great, it's a great handle for that conversation. But I did find it but was- But don't, in- as a side note, don't have a little kid read this book and think that they're going to then be good at controlling their emotions. Right. That's not what this, <laughs> the book is not going to um, just immediately instill sanctification. It equips, it should equip, help <laughs> equip parents to- That uh, would be, that would let down that, um, whoever you read that message <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah. You know? And I think I I found that interesting because when you're trying to explain why this book is good, often, uh, you know, some of our marketing campaigns did take that tack of like, you're going to learn how to talk about yeah. these emotions. And I, in my head, I thought, but that's not why this book is great. Yeah. You know, this book isn't great because it's a lesson to help you talk about emotions. Right. Even though it will. Even though it will. And even yeah. though that's the angle that actually converts people to buy the book, I think. I mean, you you can tell someone this, go for it. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I've talked to a lot of mothers who struggle, uh, struggle with taking what they know to be spiritual concepts and making them kid friendly. That makes sense. Uh, And so they'll end up, you know, they're looking at a little kid who's in the grip of a sin and they're like, you're being self-righteous, you know? And like the little kid has any concept oh, yeah. of A, what is being self-righteous? B, why is it wrong? Do I believe you that this is, you know, like. You're Are not you accurate make, in your assessment? Yeah. You're not actually compelling this child to want to change or to want, you know. And, and so a lot of this, the whole concept of we're trying to help you talk about this, I think is not, it's not false because. Because we are, but, but it's again what Nate was saying that it's more for the mothers in the sense of how can you try to winsomely talk about these things? Where I don't think any kid who reads Sir Bat a lot uh, will be wishing they could be like him at the beginning. No, right? No, at you all. Know, like uh, the, also, the, the other thing that is so is so key here is developing a language of like a shorthand language with your kids that's playful and fun that talks about their weaknesses and their struggles. You know, what's like uh-huh. this, like this is just. The drama llama is another one of those, right? Yeah. Where it's like, 
you rather than saying, hey, you're being way out of control and taking this way too seriously. <laughs> if you just say drama llama, you're being a ridiculous creature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, is like, that is being dramatic. Uh, but I think it really a lot of parents do do exactly what you're describing when they try to talk to them as if these are little adult, you know, complete free agents, as opposed to, uh, you know, little image bearers who actually have to be taught how to think about all these things and how to picture their struggle, like how to actually, you know, contextualize their struggle and learn strength in their little struggles and temptations. And, um, you know, just like I said, just scolding them and trying to make them uh, a slave to a different feeling yeah. in that moment. Like you're currently feeling angry. Well, now I'm going to make you feel terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. about, <laughs> about having felt angry. It's like, well, that relationship to their feelings is the thing that you need to get a handle on. So having a shorthand, we all have that in our families. Um, we've had different shorthands, especially from stories that have been really useful. Or you can just refer to certain things to your kids and they know. Yeah, don't they, be an Edmund, I think yeah. is one we've talked about. Um, and so Sid was one for us from Toy Story, you know, the kid who tortures toys for no reason. Don't be destructive for no reason, just taking, you know, taking pleasure in destruction. Don't be a Sid. And uh, my kids laugh about how they thought that that was just common knowledge and they would use it at school and people would have no idea what they were talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was just part of their, part of their language is don't be, don't be a Sid. Um, in this case, Sir Badalot is a perfect handle. It's going to be a perfect handle for little fat-faced children who really enjoy the story and find it super fun. It'll be a great callback for parents. It's actually about the callback. So, you know, when, once you've, read the story to them. This has become part of their narrative catechism. This is part of their soul food. It's in the bank. Then later on, you know, a week later, two weeks later, when you're having a conversation with them, you can tell them you're being like Sir Badalot. This is a Sir Badalot situation. Yeah. Um, starve the dragon. You know, it's like, this is, this is what you got to do. And it will create that language and that shorthand uh, handle uh, for you can actually for you can actually uh, enabling you to actually communicate to your kids. Um, so it really is not this is not a Flintstones vitamin that's like here let's trick your children into reading this. This is actually just a great chocolate chip cookie. Like this is a a really good one that kids are going to love to have read to them. They're going to love looking at the pictures. They're going to really enjoy Sir Bat a lot and his little his little character journey um, as he becomes fully armored and lives in a fortress. Um, you know, from start to finish, it's a, it's a fun little arc. Kids are going to love it, but the, the actual useful morality tale aspect of it, um, is going to come later when you now have parents now have a shorthand reference like an Edmund or, um, Boromir, you know, when kids are older and they, they can actually see the Boromir type and the Faramir type and, yeah. um, and different character types in, in the world around them. That's why it's helpful. So, <laughs> I mean, this is, it is healthy. This is a good book. It's health, a healthy book for kids. You should all buy it. Um, but that does not mean that we're trying to approach narrative in a different way than we always have. Right. It's still very much uh, just a great snack, a great meal for kids and their little imaginations. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this, yeah, go for it, Rachel. Sorry. I can't see you. So it makes it awkward <laughs> before. That's why we did it this way. <laughs> Before it was the cranky danky dragon to fit into Sir Battleon. In our house, it was always just a fussy dragon. Yeah. So uh, we already would say, you know, somebody would come in fussy and say, oh no, the fussy dragon ate you up. 
like mm. that sounds like the fussy dragon talking not you uh and our joke that we always had with our kids was you go out of here like you kill the fussy dragon or i will but the fussy dragon like jesus wants the fussy dragon to be dead so <laughs> if if you are talking like a fussy dragon then it's one of us has to handle the situation yep. and you may leave the room you may leave the room i remember you guys talking about this like you can leave yeah. the room go come kill the dragon and, and then come back me. in here and try again nice you come you prove it to me that this is just your voice and not the fuzzy dragon but we did often say like when they were really little toddlers i would make them actually kill the fuzzy dragon like show me that you are physically resisting <laughs> the fuzzy dragon you did know they, like, like do a stabbing motion or what uh yeah sometimes some of them were more uh I think it took a long Moses, time. They'd go get the armor and the horse and the lance. Yeah, no, no. Moses more often went for a punching style mm. kill the fuzzy dragon. But I think very Chad strong did hands. More sword play. Whatever the case was, it was helpful for them to actually have some kind of a physical break. Oh yeah. Um, like where they had to break their because when they're fussing, they're actually in a physical, they're in a mood. You know what I mean? Like they're yep. putting something on, like drooping its body language. It's no, the there's a thing. physicality so, to it. It's not an right. abstraction. So I, yeah. so when I say, no, I actually have to see you kill it. Even if they did nothing other than sort of turning and saying, boom, you know, trying to kill it. I'm like, okay, so now let me hear your voice. <laughs> like, did the fuzzy dragon eat you or did you kill him? And they, it's, surprisingly they totally understood that i need to shake off you know like i'm being eaten by something and i have, I have to, to shake off the physics physically of this, resist yeah. it yeah and and then they would and then we say okay so let me you know now let's talk about this and i think that that um there were lots of times that i have looked at a little fat toddler face that did not want to kill the fuzzy dragon did not want <laughs> to turn and kick it or punch or do whatever but when they did, when they would obey and do that, it was actually an instant break from being dominated by that. You know, like they could actually be like, okay, they would be able to laugh at themselves for having been being in a funk, you know, it just, it was, it was sort of making a, a kid. Back. I will say this, the heart of man is such a slippery little tick yeah. um, that it's funny when you take a kid who's in sin. Uh, and you make them do something that's not self-serious. Yeah. Like, oh, that like that's when you say do something do that's actually that requires a little bit of humility right now. I know you're three. You th you think a little three-year-old boy doesn't have pride? No. <laughs> you know, so you go start fussing at your mom, and your mom's like, "I need you to shadow box the dragon before we speak, <laughs> because you're being eaten. You're being eaten by the dragon." I, I like so, that. We've been doing occasionally if it's in a good mood, like a good mood kind of thing. They need to redo the quick push-ups. Have been awesome. For our guys. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, hey, you got to give me three before you can talk. Yeah. You can talk." But uh, it's a <laughs> you got it done. I I love the idea of making a little kid. Uh, foe fight a dragon because it's like you're not taking me seriously mom um and Mom's the, an like, and the yes. answer is correct <laughs> <laughs> correct um this is this is comedy this is comedy and so you're you're now going to triumph and it's going to be embarrassing and comedic and fun if you lean into it like if you lean into it it'll be fun and you're going to turn around and you're going to you will have actually shaken it off because in order mm -hmm. to, in order to do that you have to have not cared about yourself you have to have been silly 
And you have to and break then, the mood that you were in. Yeah. Which in a lot of ways was already a drama. It was already yep. an act. It was yeah. something You're nasty. already theatrical. So let's yeah. let's do this. But they did part of the funniness of this is that it does assuming that you're going to discipline your children, you know, that that the way How that I you? would deal with it would also be physical. Yeah. Right? right. So you're giving them an opportunity to control themselves physically. Abstractions and never won the day. It, or yeah. I will. You know, somebody is going to. Someone has to kill this. the dragon. Yeah. Right. Now, I, I, is it Spurgeon who said he's not a Christian who does not daily walk over the bellies of his lusts? That idea of I think like that's stepping. John Owen, isn't it? Mortification oh, is it of. Oh, you're right. A dead person said that. I think it's. <laughs> But that stepping on the belly of something that's got you down is the same sort of thing. It's it doesn't it's not enough to say, hey, you must you must forget about or turn away from. It's very concrete language. It's you want it squishing as you step on it. Yeah, kill Mm -hmm. it dead. But it it is. uh, I mean, these kinds of things are are extremely important. And we are, as we've said often here on this podcast, narratival creatures and we need narratival food. So we want to eat well, and we want to eat the kinds of stories that show us the kinds of characters we want to be, and also give us reference points, metaphors for how how to be. Um, so whether that's in a big action adventure under duress, you know, how do you show courage? How do you not? Uh, how do you not quit? Like how do you actually pursue honor? And when you're 15, reading those stories, uh, or when you're three, and mom's reading to you, or you're five and you can read it yourself. Um, laying down narratival food, narratival catechisms that provide reference points uh, for your own choices as a character is the entire point. I mean, that's why we need stories. We need stories because we live in one and we live uh, in constant scenes and we need to have seen how it's done. You know, we need to actually have uh, glimpsed it vicariously elsewhere. And so for a little... The little uh, boys and girls with those saggy cheeks and those moments when they're in that uh, that fussy dragon, cranky dinky dragon mode. This is the kind of reference that you really need. It's like here, you're like here we go. This is what we've mapped out for you. You've seen this. You've experienced it because when you when you ingest a story, when you consume a story, it touches your imagination in permanent ways. Uh, it it leaves permanent marks, and so the callbacks that are possible for yourself and for your parents and for authorities around you are never ending. Like there's, there's no exit once a story's marked you, Um, which is why choosing them is, you know, carefully matters a lot. So your imagination's gone down certain roads and it goes down those roads more permanently than your own experience. So if I, if I went to Shadrach right now and said, Hey, name me your top three fussiest moments, (laughs) you know, when you were, going to your mom when she was calling you Sir Bat a lot. Uh, I I doubt he'd be able to. He might have like a big memorable one. No, he could... was he was probably in still in diapers when he was Sir Bat a lot. Yeah. The, the <laughs> but most... even now it's like okay, top, he's how old is he now? 10? 10, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's like okay, what were your three fussiest moments? And it's like we wouldn't be able to remember. You know, there might be a a legendary family story, you know, about one but you would never be able to remember and like, but there were those scenes, those scenes were lived out and we just don't remember them. They go away. Right. But once you've read the book, once you've actually read the story, once you've had your imagination pulled 
through a particular narrative, it remains. And so you could remember stories that you read far more easily than you can remember days that you've lived. Mm-hmm. You know, a, like days for you to remember a day that you lived, it has to really, really be something else. You have to really, or just random. Like there's this one, I have this one fleeting memory of a barbecue. I don't know why, you know, <laughs> um, but you like living the actual day from left to right through it as a character is less memorable to us than reading a story. And that's one of the weirdest design features that God baked in. Our, our own days pile up like leaves, you know, in the fall, and we lose track of them individually. But through all of it, we hang on to uh, things like Sir Battlelot. Um, yeah, I, we had we had uh, George and the Dragon, that great picture book. Yep. Uh, as well, that one's one I recommend often because it's. A, did we lose her? Nope, got her. No, I'm here. Brian keeps messing with his phone, which is you can just causing problems. We had a great other thing we got to do. So. Okay. A great other thing we got to do? Well, I was just going to pull up another criticism of fiction. Good. but uh, Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, this is the one we were talking about yesterday where uh, you showed me that comment on yeah. Sir Battle. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to have to edit out this part as I, as I scroll to the latest canon post. Unless you have it. Do you have it on you, Rachel? I can I can pull it up, I bet, because somewhere, because I will do it. I will pull it up for you. And I will bless you with it. Uh, <laughs> I cannot get behind fiction. The facts of the Bible and church history are sufficiently compelling to hold the interests of children. Why learn these fake names and these fake stories when the lives of the prophets and stalwart saints are fascinating? Why not teach? What the popes did to the Christians and how the Christians heroically stood up to that demonic power of the day, choosing to be tortured to death and burned at the stake rather than, than recant from the truth. What we have here <laughs> is, is Exhibit A and trolling Facebook for children's book posts. To uh, con- uh, <laughs> to con- I was going to say is Exhibit A and a little thing we know as bifurcation. Yeah. It's either yeah, no, this... It's like- or that. Yeah. I did not ever say let's teach them about Sir Battlelot instead of Oliver Martyr. I would I would like to say that I I want to stand on a hill of never telling children what the popes did. Right. Well, I like <laughs> that because I thought how much of what the popes did is really age appropriate to anyone. Actually. Let's let's talk about them popes. Right. Um <laughs> No, that's it's uh let's get into those renaissanceries. <laughs> The, but actually, the, this is an example the of, of the popes. I actually think that this is a weird example of what we were talking about with moms who don't relate to children, sort of. Yeah. Uh, is that this is a weird example of like not accepting how God actually made children. I was going to say, I was going to go farther and just, just say it's actually blasphemy. Creation, Ooh. Sort of. This is, this is blasphemy. So <laughs> how do, this, is, this is exhibit A and how to hate God and everything he did. Um, because the way God actually built us as image bearers is that we are narratival characters. And now there's an agreement here in this criticism because, uh, I assume this is a woman, right? No, it's a, not. This is man. a man. Well, this woman, um, <laughs> um the, you get banned the, off YouTube yeah, for that. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, this, this post is obsessing about one kind of story. But I also guarantee you that if we are going to tell those stories, 
he and I would have complete disagreement in how to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. that's for sure like true. it's overwhelmingly informational. So if I was going to tell the story of a martyr, if I was going to tell a story of a prophet, which I have and which I love to do, and I go to the Old Testament constantly, um, it's these kinds of people who freak out, who completely lose their minds, uh, and they want to distill any Old Testament story down to a vitamin. They want to reduce it. Uh, like somebody who's really into essential oils can say, I'm going to wear the equivalent of half an acre of lavender behind my ear. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to take all this acreage and all these plants and condense it down to one thing I can just dab here. Um, we have this reductionistic, modernistic approach to information uh, and distilling lived stories and fictional stories down to one tidbit of essential oil information that is moral of the story, be courageous under persecution. Sure. That's not false, but that's not how God does it. It's also bad history too. Like you're saying, that's if you take any history class, that's good. Your professor will say, that's not how you do history. No, you cannot (laughs) reduce. Um, And Solomon does not reduce. It's not, his his wisdom is not reductive at all. It's always about knowing it, knowing more, knowing in context, knowing the narrative. And realizing that we are ourselves characters in a story running about a page makes sudden sense of why we are so susceptible to fiction, why like fiction for good and ill impacts us massively and affects like I I have received letters from readers, uh, more than one uh, kid who wrote me a letter that was their decision about not killing themselves like no longer being suicidal coming out of depression because of the fiction they were reading. Wow. Like because of Ashtown, because they have characters they loved and they're watching them go through worse struggles. It's like, I made these kids up. Like these are imaginary kids, but it, it did in fact catechize impulses uh, in a completely different way, a different paradigm of approaching struggle and hardship and, and so on. Um, so it's one of those things where, People like this tend to want to get to the morality tale. They're just doing a different version of Veggie Tales. But like, how what's do we, weird about it how do is we that they're overlooking how Jesus communicates. Exactly. The parables is constant. Or, uh, you know, when you think about how the prophet Nathan communicated, I'm going to tell the story of the prophet Nathan. Right. And what's well, that know, story? It's the story about him lying. About, <laughs> the interesting part about that one is that he. The whole point is that you're caught up in the story and then he says, it's you. Yeah. He actually, what he does there is he gets all of King David's loyalties and sympathy. He imprints the imagination of the king rightly. Like he he rightly orders the loyalties of King David via fiction. So he comes into a broken situation where David's um, loyalties are all shot to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all gone. He's murdered one of his friends, one of his most loyal uh, yeah. men. He's taken his wife. He's committed adultery. He's caught in his sin. And Nathan comes in and then reorders his loves and his loyalties by means of a fiction that then applies that fiction to him personally. So again, that's not propaganda. It's the way that we work. The way our loves and loyalties work is that we get them aligned via storytelling. They are aligned via storytelling, and then we can go live uh, better lives, better scenes, better chapters as characters when they're rightly aligned by the by the stories that we're hearing. 
And again, none of us are opposed to telling the stories of the prophets or the great saints. We're all we're all yeah. for that. One hundred percent. Bifurcation. Yeah, it's in. a bifurcation. There's not an either or uh, at but all. But I also think I also think even when I was reading that, I'm thinking I love the stories of the saints or the stalwart people. But it's funny to think that the people who were that courageous and that bold, it's acting like they were shaped by nothing yeah. themselves. They like, never heard any stories. Nobody ever told them anything. This kind of character never, like, they don't, you, nobody is just born with that much steadfastness. And, you know, like. like no, they're all survived a lot when they're born. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's just <laughs> interesting to think, yeah, but the whole point is, if you want to help shape children, to be the kind of people who uh, like how important story actually is to help children understand, like be the people that would have the courage to stand up to something. Yeah. Yep. And I can actually, here's one more thing here that might, this might seem really terrible. Uh, and it might even be really terrible, <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean it's <laughs> but not but true. Let's go with it anyways. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean it's not true is that there's the world is full of, broken people everybody's broken everybody's flawed one of the beauties of fiction and laying down fictional narrative for your kids that is really great is that those characters will be true they will be constant the friends in their lives their fellow 12 year olds their fellow 10 year olds though wow, this is dark name. their fellow 15 year olds <laughs> are not constant you're right and if they if if they try to learn their behaviors and pattern their behaviors off of their fallen peers and the pressures of their fallen peers their those friendships will fade those friendships will peel and they need something they need something in them that enables them to be a good friend to their friend when their friend is peeling when their friend is becoming a bad character when their friend is becoming an edmund uh, they have to have uh, something a calibration in them to tell them that they're still going towards true north they're still sailing straight when all the other ships around them are are veering off yeah um and how to actually be a courageous friend a bold friend to those their fellow broken uh men and women but there is a there's a really there's a kindness there's a real kindness in uh great fiction there's a kindness in uh, a fifth a fifth grader's ability to go back to the Lord of the Rings and Boromir yeah, is still broken and Faramir is still Faramir, noble. Yeah, we just Eric, read that you know, scene. Yeah, I mean, Faramir's like never going to fail his chance. Never. You know? No, it's like Faramir's yeah. never going to burn out later. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like there's this reference point that's that's really, really useful. Uh, it doesn't make it, obviously, it doesn't make it more real than what's around them. But it's it's fantastic that fiction can calibrate and then once set, remain constant. Like those friends and those loyalties remain constant. They're there and they're unchanging. Um, and they're these little distant echoes, these tiny echoes of what you're supposed to know about the real world, that God is unchanging, that truth, goodness, and beauty is constant, that he is constant, that he is holy, he's these things. But all around you, no one else is. Like nobody None of your none, none of your characters are. They're all in the struggle with you. They're all making mistakes and coming back. They're all, uh, you know, it's like coming and going in and out of righteousness as they are all sanctified or falling away or whatever. Uh, and it's it is really lovely to know that I can go back into Lord of the Rings and I'll find more truth there than I did when I was in fifth grade. 
but it's still there. Gandalf's courage in Moria is still there. He has not gone on to leave his wife and fall away and uh, and, and, <laughs> and go into Jesus. his act three. No, I mean, like, that's just, yeah, you're right. He's in an act three. Like yeah. he's still, he's still there. Um, and that's, that's really, really, a that's a strange blessing. It's a great blessing. But if you move into just, I, I don't read, I don't, I don't seek good fiction, good storytelling. I'm just going to lean on, you know, my friends, my peers, my uh, associates, as it were, here on this fallen earth, you're going to have some trouble. I mean, you, re you really will. So it's not to say that you couldn't do it with scripture alone. Of course you can. You know, scripture's there. But there's a reason why it's, I mean, the past and those, those narratives, uh, they're set. They're fixed. You know, David repents. David receives the messianic promise. Uh, and that is that continues to this day. So anyway, that's my dark beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's speaking of a, ha yeah, it's, I mean it's true. I guess a happier one, Rachel. You've got another Sir Battlelot coming, right? How was <laughs> nice, it? Uh... <laughs> nice job, Brian. Let's, let's let's pivot away from the bleakness of reality. Sorry, what now, Brian? <laughs> you have another Sir Battlelot coming. How how uh, how how good is oh, it to get this book you're out? Talking about the baby. Yes, I, I am. Like, I actually was we, missing we, that too. I was like, she's already that. written that one. I mean, I knew we talked about a book too, but what's going on? No, I meant the like, real I life. Oh, you're talking about book eight. About you're talking about book eight, no, not I book do. two. I have another another boy coming. Nice. Are you going to share? And with odds are that he's fallen. <laughs> odds the are. odds are good. The odds yep. are very good that I will once again try to help uh, a young toddler boy wrestle a young villain the flesh. With diapers sagging near but, his knees. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. That stern, that stern little stubborn baby face that we always called the fat face. Yeah. You know, when they, when it's like when you, it's the willfulness that causes you to suck your cheeks back, you know, and give yourself a big yeah. chin. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that little look. Yep. <laughs> or when you're telling them they have to look you in the eyes and they will literally look anywhere but in your eyes. You have to use your... <laughs> Hands with blinders to make yeah. them look at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, uh, yes. Well, I'm glad. I that will say one other random. This is random about. Well, this is Sir, Sir Battle Out Four for you, actually. Four boys. Yeah, this, this is, is the fourth Sir eight Battle overall. Yeah. Yeah. This is my fourth. My fourth Sir Battle Lot. Um. But the main thing I was going to say is that I did intentionally in the book make there no other characters. There's not, it's not like a mom comes in or, or nobody comes in to intervene in your yeah. life. It is that this is actually a battle for one person and you do actually have what you need to fight it. Mm. That's great. Yeah. There's, sort not, of a, there's not like, oh, if I had a good friend or if I had. If only dad, people rescued me. Had, yeah. You know. There's no one coming is the moral of the story. There's no, no one coming. No one will help you. There is no help. I, you must fight. You Nate got the wheel back and here we are in bleak it's land again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this, it's a, this is a great little book and the kids will in fact love it. I think we can end by uh, yeah. commenting on gender. Yeah. And this is one of the things that uh, people are stupid. Um in general and so there's no. a, a there's there's a lot of questions around is this is this a book for boys only and it's like um <laughs> no don't be dumb 
no, this is a book that little boys and little girls are going to love. Like the girls are going to love it. The boys will love it. But the the simple fact is the way the world is, if you write a, a picture book led by a little girl, starring a little girl and leaning into little girl things, that's not going to be read effectively and fruitfully by both genders. Um, if it was called Lady Battleot, I can already tell you it, <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, but on the flip side, girls are actually far more versatile in their reading and their loves. You know, it's like it's it's very rare that books in any in any market uh, cross over and hit both genders, capture both genders equally, uh, or even to the you know prorated to the population when when it is actually written to female struggle and i think that that is, this is that's this not is just, because everyone's a sexist no it's just how god made the world because yeah. a compelling story about a guy or a compelling character who is a boy compels women or girls to want to be there too to like to follow but a compelling female character is either a insults the guys that they're coming like i want to follow this or you know like yeah uh, i think it inspires hmm. more rebellion like i don't want to do that <laughs> or a weird fantasy you know a, it becomes yeah, like a, something, a crush. Is, something is weird in this it's not i think it's obviously i think boys can appreciate a story that has great female characters absolutely should, yeah totally but not the the book of uh, esther for example gotten a surprising <laughs> amount of comment of people saying they would like one of these, but for girls. And my feeling is I don't, I think it's the boys that are, that nobody ever is trying to just contact the little boys. (laughs) And your little girls will like this book and they will be blessed by this book. They'll find it hilarious and you will have a much cleaner handle talking to your little girls about it. Yeah. That's like having read the story with them. It's not, this is not, uh, it's like saying you want a girl Calvin and Hobbes. It's like, sorry, what? Yeah, it's not. It's not gender. That would mess it up. This right. is not gender exclusive. It's like there is a girl. It's Susie. Susie. <laughs> yes, Susie's the girl. <laughs> um, and Rosalind, the babysitter. But, <laughs> news about that. I never. I'm trying to think with my own girls. I I've been that all of our younger boys are all of our younger kids are boys, but we didn't make our girls physically battle the dragon. Yeah. Hmm. It's, know, a like, diff- it's a that, different thing. We didn't, that was not the go to. And yet, they yeah. would have still loved this book and they loved the stories of Sir oh, Totally. And they also did get in trouble for using fuzzy voices. So, you know, it's the same. What did you make them do? I can't remember. I'm like, my young, I'm just sort of wondering if it's because we just had, uh, but probably blow it out. Try it again. Let me hear a cheerful voice. Yeah. You know, like there was like but i didn't make them it's sort of like we play a game i've played a game with my little boys that i only play with my boys and i would never do it with the girls that was head slap and fun <laughs> 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 which was the entire game is we say you give me five and i'll give it back to you so they would give me five and then i try to hit them in the head with the hand that they gave me five and they're all <laughs> you know now they're pretty much all faster than me but the whole point is you it I wouldn't do that to a little girl, but every one of my little boys has deeply loved the yeah. game of coming to give mom five and see if she can slap the side of your head before you get away. 
That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Good, wholesome family fun. <laughs> I'm just saying I wouldn't do that with a daughter, but I, but I do it happily with little boys. So, so here's a question. When you, when you eventually have granddaughters, which is going to happen in two and a half minutes, um, <laughs> and they come over and climb on your lap, are you going to, with Sir Battlelot, are you going to say, no, go get me a girl book? No, obviously not. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's not that, it's not that kind of a I don't thing. Feel, I, to me, it is not gendered in that kind of a way at all. Yeah. What you're saying is that what you're trying to provoke uh, their own, when they're, when you're addressing them as their own characters and their own stories, that you try to provoke a, f- a feminine courage as opposed to a masculine one. Um, yeah. And totally. make them be different. But we also, if you have little boys who just love reading Anne of Green Gables, we would say, uh, you should <laughs> maybe not do that. Um, but if you have little girls who love reading, you know, Narnia or Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader and so on, or I'm trying to think of which one's strongest on the, uh, the male lead. Um, it's actually a non-issue. Yeah. It's like, doesn't even matter. Yeah. Uh, but for the, for the little boys who can find themselves drifting into the more feminine books, that's, that's actually is more something to, to dig into and figure out what's going on. Hmm. <laughs> Read them King Solomon's Minds. So I, I do think Sir Battleot's a great book for little boys and little girls, even if how you then apply it into your own conversation with them weeks later uh, manifests differently. Yeah. And I also, as a side note, wouldn't I would not mind telling a little girl to physically kill a dragon. Um, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't expect a big shadow box um <laughs> scene out of her. An atomic elbow. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I, have, it's like, I have no problem with. Like, go get your mallet and your tent peg. Go drive it through this recall. head and then come back. <laughs> I can't recall having done that, but obviously the right approach would be for her to grind her heel onto the. Just the I mean, you, come on, you could just have a <laughs> mallet and a tent peg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Jail no, thing. I have no. It's actually more. It is. It has more to do with the fact that I think typically for us little girls fussy times had more to do with being emotional and uh different and boys tend to skew more towards the angry violence you know what i mean it's like channeling the physical yeah creating an an outlet for the physical yeah yeah you grab the little girl's cheeks and you say baby i'm gonna need you to go warm up some milk give it to the dragon make him sleepy and when he's asleep you take this tent bed and this mouth uh, i'd like trick to him lie to him tell him you'll take care of him and then crush his head <laughs> that's book two <laughs> sir Battlelot did that a lot i don't know i don't think it works <laughs> more disturbing uh, that's awesome well, I think that's as good that's a place my pitch. to end. <laughs> as good a place to end as any. Uh, Rachel, any last thing you want to let people know? Last disclaimers. No, no I don't. I can't think of anything. Sir Battlelot is great, and you all, everyone listening, is required to have it in their home. I think we need to leave on that. <laughs> I think so too. So you can get it anywhere. Yep. That you can find it. Just get on Googly, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, although pre-orders, when does the pre-order thing stop? Well, when you if you listen to this on Monday, then you will be on the last day of the pre-order. Okay. So you can get it signed and with a print for free. A print? The print is included? The print's included for all okay. pre-orders. So a little art print from Forrest? Yep. So you basically, if you're hearing this, you basically have no time right. to go pre-order with Canon. 
Otherwise, you can, uh, you know, hit it on Amazon or anywhere. Just find find Sir Battle Up, get yep. it into your home. This is yeah. required. After that pre-order, the print is going to cost. So that's all right. It'll be a lesson for you next time. Follow everything they do. <laughs> <laughs> if you missed out, you missed out. But you don't have to miss out completely. You can still have the book. Right. And we'll leave on that. This has been episode less than 100. We've been talking to Rachel Jankovic about Sir Badalot and the Cranky Danky Dragon. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, it's Brian Cole, your favorite co-host of the Stories or Soul Food podcast. And you won't be able to see what I'm holding in my hands here, but it is an advanced copy of Sir Badalot and the Cranky Danky Dragon. Written by Rachel Jankovic and illustrated by Forrest Dickinson and published by Cannonball Books. Both of them have been on the Stories or Soul Food podcast, so I feel like our podcast can take credit for this book, right? Uh, You won't be able to see the beautiful illustrations reminiscent of Miyazaki and Bill Peet, but I can read you a couple snippets that'll help you understand why Sir Battleot should be a feature of your uh, home. In the land of somewhere normal was a town called Boring Plain, in a tiny magic kingdom no one knew by any name. But it wasn't always quiet there, not like you might have thought, because the boy who built the walls was called Sir Battleot. You'll notice I skipped a page, but that's because I wanted to get to Sir Battleot. There's also a dragon who drinks a bitter brew, uh, brood of a boy's whining, and that's pretty awesome. I also ruined the line of poetry there. So just imagine it being so much better. Here, I'll flip the pages and crinkle the hardback so you can hear it. You hear that? Oh, crinkle, crinkle of the brand new hardback. Uh, Anyways, it's available for pre-order at canonpress.com. Comes signed and comes with a print from Forrest Dickinson also signed. So go check it out now for Christmas and the rest of your life. It's past my kid's test, and I know that next time we have a whining incident, I'll have to bring up the cranky, danky dragon with his heart of hard to please. Until next time, 